0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes,
0: because otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello
0: and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue. She has over 30 years' experience helping families with everything from babies, and bringing them home and feeding them to toddlers and toddler tantrums, to mixing the two together, sleep, settling, all sorts of questions. She can answer them. And now's your time to ask her these questions, whether you're listening to us via your radio, via your podcast, or... Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, pop your question underneath. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, if you're listening to us live, you can call us on one kids radio If you're listening to us after we've gone live to air, you can always send us an email at conversation at au. Now, let's start with a phone call. Chris, this comes from Kim. She's on the line. She has an 11-month-old. And, Chris, you answered a question from Fiona last week about nap times for babies as they between a the 10- and 12 months range. And Kim, bless her soul, has called back to ask some follow-on questions. How are you, Kim?
2: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. Tell us what you wanted to ask um, Chris.
2: So I had just two follow-up questions. It was very useful information. Thank you very much. I've been meaning to ring and ask that question for weeks and haven't (laughs) really timed it very well. So that was good. Um, The first question is about that. Early nap, the first yep. nap of the day. You yep. suggested that that should be shorter, and the second one be longer, longer. if yep. at all possible. Yeah. What's the What's the rationale behind that? Are you able to?
3: So, if a baby that? takes a longer first sleep, so say they sleep from nine till eleven, you know, and has a nice decent, and then at uh, nine till eleven, so at two o'clock they sleep for an hour. That still works, but when you go to blend it to one sleep. When you move that 9 till 10, then they'll sleep from 10 till 12, but they won't take a later afternoon sleep. So it might mean that they're up from 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they'll be okay. so overtired. So it's much easier to move a sleep forward than it is to move it backwards when reducing to one sleep. So right, that's that why. So as okay. that little sleep, you know, in the morning, as he doesn't need that when he gets up closer to 14 months, he'll just stay up longer longer through more evenly so he might stay up for five hours and go to bed at 11.30 and sleep till 2 and then he's only got five hours till he goes to bed. Whereas if he does the first big sleep from where he used to do it at 9 he can only make it to 10. Once he gets up at 12 he won't go back down to sleep for you again later in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah.
2: We've, um, He's been having a few early wakes and I was wondering if maybe because he can tend to do an hour and a half in the morning if I let him, whether that might be contributing to him waking up a bit earlier as well.
3: Okay, it can do, but they'd have to sleep an awful lot of time. So they'd have to sleep an hour and a half in the morning and almost like two to two and a half hours in the afternoon. So if in the overall pattern he gets about three to three and a half hours of sleep, even if he did an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon, that'd be okay. And it wouldn't be affecting his night sleep. But a baby who might be getting still, you know, closer to five hours in the day, that may affect his night sleep. So I think the early wake-ups are probably more due to um, it being lighter in the morning at the moment till we do daylight saving. Um, um, and it could be just his natural waking pattern and what we do with that, not in relation to what happens to him in the day. No problem. Yeah.
2: So the second follow-up question yeah. was just the awake time before bed. Yes. My little boy is a great, has always been a great self-settler. I've been very lucky yep. with that. Um, but. We go through periods where he just refuses to self-settle yeah. at bedtime. He'll still self-settle during the day, no problem. Yeah, and look, it's probably in the all evening. Range of things, teeth and everything. But what should that awake time be? So I Feel can like? eliminate that as the okay. issue. Okay, so
3: in this group between the 10 and 12-month window, I think it would be roughly about three and a half hours. Okay. So if he's getting up at 3.30, he's going to be tied somewhere between that 6.30 and 7 o'clock window
2: all right yeah perfect
3: so generally about that three and a half hours
2: all right good brilliant
0: thanks kim thanks
2: kim good luck thank you very much thank you bye thank you
0: see you later our next question comes from amy who's watching on facebook live hello amy (laughs) she has a 10 week old who is a full-on catnapper she wakes every 45 minutes You can bet on that timing. She probably times it 45 minutes each go. Should I try to get her to resettle herself or anticipate the wake-up and go in at 40 minutes to help her link the cycles? I should say these catnaps are for day sleeps. We get longer stretches at night. So that does sound typical of a
3: 10-week-old baby, that they start waking up at the 45-minute cycle and they're much more alert and aware, so they start looking around and fully wake themselves up. So both of the approaches that you've suggested here can work for you. And what I would do is use both of them in helping her to go back to sleep. So for a couple of days at about 40 minutes, I might go in there and put my hand on her and just gently shush and rock her and see if you can push her through that cycle And if over three days that works and she joins the cycles together, then I'd start to give her a chance to see if she can push through herself. So the next couple of days, I just hang on and hold my breath and see if she can link them together because she's had a couple of days of linking the cycles together. If that doesn't work, and she still wakes at forty five minutes, then I think we've got to do all the normal things that we would do. So she wakes up at forty five minutes, just wait and listen for a minute or two, see what she's doing. So if it's a win, she might go back to sleep. If it moves more into an active cry, I'd put my hand on her and give her some soothing rocks or pats, depends whether you're a rock or a patter. I'd be shushing her. And if that wasn't working over a few minutes, I would even at ten weeks I would pick her up, give her a cuddle, calm her right down, but I would put her back in her bed. So I think the difference is I wouldn't assume that after forty five minutes she'd had enough. I would work with her for another twenty minutes or half an hour, depending on the baby and whether they're crying or not crying and and I would try and get her back to sleep so we're you're about to move into a real learning phase about those 45 minute cycles it really hits home around 12 weeks but if you stick with it and resettle for at least two of them I think in the long term you're going to have a much better sleeper
0: brilliant well good luck with that Amy we now have a phone call from Bryony it's a question about dummies and settling hi Bryony how are you
1: I'm very well thanks Siobhan, thanks very much for taking the question. No worries. Um, um, about six weeks ago I called up about uh, catnapping napping um, yep. when my baby was 15 weeks yep. um, and I took um, your advice and uh, for about two weeks we had a good we had a good run, I was having success resettling. Um, after that time I think the four month regression came about and um, unfortunately It all went out the window, Um, and we've now gotten to a stage where um, his uh, nighttime sleep as well as his daytime sleep has really quite fallen apart, so he's waking up about six six plus times a night. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: really fallen apart. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he's he's tired all the time and so am I. Um, but um, what I've realised is I admitted, to, I admitted to tell you at that time was that um, I was using the dummy to resettle him. Um,
3: okay. And,
1: yeah. Which so is I not started... a bad
3: thing, it's just how we use it. So yeah, we so have I've... to work out whether the dummy's the problem or the baby's the problem, you know, as in, is that the question about the dummy?
1: Yeah. So what the question is is yeah. that um, I've actually um, stopped using the dummy. Okay. Um, I, I originally did. The, I sort of did the gradual. Um, yeah, that's removal right. And then, yeah, and then and that I did that for a few days, and then today we've said, okay, no more dummy, and um, he's gone to sleep for two of his naps with no dummy. Good he's work. Right now, okay, <laughs> good boy. Um, but um, what I'm wondering about is this evening what we do with the nursing because he does nurse approximately twice a night. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that works in with helping him to sleep without the dummy.
3: As in how do you get him to self-settle without feeding to sleep?
1: No, I, as in um, because he's five months I would continue nursing him um, and I normally put him back down asleep after he's had his feed. Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah, Yeah. so what He's you have to do is make the distinction between when you nurse him and him going to sleep. So most babies yeah. off their evening feed, you know, that 6.37, they do sort of fall asleep. They're very sleepy when you put them into their bed, but you don't want him sound asleep when you put him in the bed. And overnight, you do need to be aware that when you take him off the breast and do a feed, that you sit him up and wind him and then put him into bed and not just slide him off the breast and put him into the bed. Because otherwise mm. you're just substituting the dummy for a breast. Okay. So you'll end up with a similar problem.
1: Yeah, I've been pretty good at making sure that he seems to be reasonably wakeful when I put him Great. down after his breastfeed. feed. Yeah. Um, just wondering how do I know, though, if he wakes up you know, how do I know which ones are waking up
3: for nursing and which ones waking up? Oh, okay. You get so a me? five-month-old normally, on average, if they're feeding and sleeping quite quite well for you during the day, they would only be on one feed overnight. So it depends whether you want to do that one feed at 10 or 11 on that wake-up. But the general thing that I advise parents to do is the first wake-up they have after you've put them down in the evening, then I resettle them. And then on the second one, I feed them fully. So trying to move towards one feed overnight and trying Mm -hmm. to get him to sleep reasonably well for you, like a six-hour window. So the easiest way to do that is if you fed him at 6.30, he's gone down at 7 and he wakes at 11, I'd have a go at resettling him then. But if he woke up at 12.30, I would do a full feed, a proper feed, and then see if he can extend down till the morning.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe try and um have him at about a six hour window before that well that it's Thursday. more that
3: the first time he wakes he doesn't get fed and the second time he does so uh-huh. you know it's more that we're just helping him push a little bit further and a little bit further so if tomorrow night he sleeps till eleven thirty, then i'd resettle him and if he woke at one i'd feed him at one
1: mm-hmm. yeah okay
3: brilliant Wait,
1: I, that, that, that's what i wanted to know. Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Good luck, Bryony. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks.
0: This is Kindling Bye-bye. Helpline with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minot Chris is here to answer all your questions. So she's got over 30 years experience. And as you've probably just heard, she can answer everything from settling <laughs> questions to feeding questions. She's got like The mind of a mothercraft detective is how I look at it. I have no idea how you solve all these problems, Chris. But anyway, if you have a challenge you'd like to ask Chris about, if you're watching us via Facebook Live, pop your question underneath the video. You can call us. If you're listening to us live, it's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. If, however, this is catch-up listening, then you're hearing us on a podcast. You can always email us through the week on conversation at kindling.com.au. This question comes from Ravina. Do you have any tips for dealing with a a four-and-a-half-year-old who wants to negotiate every boundary we set, often (laughs) resulting in in crying and screaming? We've recently moved houses, and he was quite upset about leaving our old house, and he's also started a new kinder as a result of the move. We also have a three-year-old and a 20-month-old. Oh, happening. He's just biding
3: for his time, isn't he? And he's had a lot going on. So I think the first thing when you've got a four-and-a-half-year-old that's sort of all out of sorts and he's pushing every boundary is to sit back for a minute. And I know there's not a lot of minutes in your day, but sit back for a minute and think about where he's at. And then within that, think about the things that matter to you as a family, which are the things that you might be really consistent with, like they might be social behaviours or family values. And then giving him a little bit more time to adjust to things and giving him a little bit more warning about change because change has happened for him so depending on what it is he's pushing and I suspect one of them at four and a half might be going to bed at night and he might just feel that there's been lots of changes you know he's got a three-year-old that's in a similar place and he's got a 20-month-old that needs lots of time and attention so what I would do for him is try and carve out of your very busy day a bit of time at the end of the day where he can sit down or lay down on his bed with you know one or both of his parents and just talk about what his day's been like so you you know, it's all right to say, you know, made mummy feel really sad when you hit your brother or your sister or something. But, and he might say to you, yes, but you didn't read to me. And it sort of gives back a little bit. So I think when there's lots going on, he needs some time from you and make sure we talk about all the really good things that happened in the day and take him through his changes. You know, we've moved to a new house and we've got new friends and do you want Jack to come over for a play date? And just carve a little bit of time out. Now, I think you might find he will settle down with that. Four-and-a-half-year-olds do push boundaries. Um, three-year-olds push them even more. So I think he's just playing off all this change that's happened for him and give him a little bit of time and a little bit of one-on-one and talking. And I think you'll be amazed at how well he does in the next couple of weeks.
0: Mm, and I've got to say, Ravenna, my four-and-a-half-year-old likes to say, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it at all. And he's very firm about Mm. it. It's Really hard. And then then we just tell him. Yeah, he is. It's like negotiating
3: with the UN. You know, you got to. You just got to find that thing. And you, you, I think, as a parent, you've got to you've got to work out where they're at as well. So when they're saying no, maybe sometimes you have to take thirty seconds and find out why they're saying no. And if they're just saying it for the sake of saying it, then as a parent, you say no. This is what we're going to do now. Mm. So it's that whole juggle. And as I say to lots of people, you've never had a four and a half year old in your life before, and or a five year old or a three year old. So it's a little bit of give and take on both sides.
0: Yes, I'm with you, Ravenna. I know how hard it can be. <laughs> yeah. Connie has a um, three-year-old granddaughter, refuses ah. to poop in the potty. Had yep. heard about this before. Yeah, She pees okay but always goes and hides when she has to poop. Yep. This was has been going on since two weeks after starting the poppy, potty training. Any advice?
3: Um, I would say that first thing you have to realize is it's incredibly normal for them to do what they <laughs> sneaky poos. They go somewhere quiet, private, and do their poop and often it's not in the toilet or the potty <laughs> they want they wait for the nappy to go back on they do it then so i think one thing is to work out um when she's doing it so just hovering around because they usually do a little dance because they're trying to find the place they want to go to. So they do a little dance. And then I would encourage her around that time to maybe go with you and sit on the toilet and you sit and chat to her. And then it would just naturally happen. It does, this takes time and patience. It can take them up to six weeks, six months to get this bit going after doing wheeze in the toilet. So I think time and patience is the first thing, not to force it. But once you see her sort of edging and, jiggling around this is one I often use with a book so I pull out a book that they haven't seen or it might be just a new book and say I've got this book why don't we go and sit in the bathroom and sometimes it also makes a difference whether it is a potty or whether it's the toilet so you you have to work those two things out as well Um, and does she do it at daycare if she goes to daycare so have a sort of think about it one is absolutely completely normal it can take up to six months, but I just do very gentle reminders and, and encouragement for her to go to the toilet. Don't force it; otherwise, she'll regress.
0: Do we know why there is that um, delayed?
3: No, I because some kids, as soon as they do one, they do the other, and it's really easy. But for others, and most commonly, it takes up to six months. And I think it's got to do with the, f- the sensation in their body. Right. Um, and one psychologist told us that it also has to do with the, the dropping feeling, okay. the falling feeling, because a lot of kids think that it's something falling out of their body. So there's oh, all these wow. other connotations on what they wow. think is going on. Yeah. And what the nappy does is give a sense of security. Yeah. So That's I so think you have to go slowly here um, and realize it does take a bit of time. Gosh, that's so Time really and patience yeah, is and the not really them. And not forcing it. Yeah. Because
0: otherwise they just go six steps backwards. Okay. Well Connie, I hope that helps you with your mm. granddaughter. Renee has a nine and a half month old, just wonder when to drop down to three bottles. They have three big bottles, one half bottle and three meals. And do I do lunch earlier when I drop the half feed? Uh, so, oh, so, it, so it's doing three and a half bottles. Bottles in a whole day. Yeah. So
3: you're right, um, Renee. Three bottles and three meals, um, and usually one snack. So all you have to do is change a half bottle to a little snack. So it might be a little um, bit of fruit um, that they might have, like a nine and a half months, so a little wedge of watermelon, and a drink of water where you did the half bottle so commonly that half bottle would be after the morning sleep so I'll, I'll assume that that's where it is so it's like they have a snack and then they'll have their lunch and then they'll have their bottle before they go down for their afternoon sleep so let's say they might have a snack around 10 then they might have their lunch around 12 and then 1 one thirty, depending on when they're going down you give them a bottle and then they go down so I think you just have to drop that little half bottle and change it to a snack and she'll be
0: perfectly fine she'll be right as rain this is kindling health Fly with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. It's your time to ask whatever questions you may have for babies, toddlers, small children, the combination of all three. If it's happening in your family, Chris can help you. So there are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. If you are watching us via Facebook Live, pop your question underneath the video. If you're listening to us live through your radio, best bet is to give us a call on one kids radio Or if you're listening through Catch Up, which is via the podcast or our app, or you're just listening to us after we've been live, send us an email to conversation at kindling.com.au and we can address your question next week. This question comes from Emma. My six-month-old won't resettle in the day. He has 25 minutes sleeps with no ability to resettle without being patted or shushed, can take up to 20 to 45 minutes to resettle and doesn't work every time. I have tried comfort settling, but he just cries and escalates despite being so tired. I don't feed to sleep and have worked hard to separate feeding from sleeping. He used to have three uh, one-and-a-half to two-hour sleeps a day. He sleeps okay overnight, only waking once for a feed, but can take 30 minutes to put him down then. This has been worse since starting daycare Daycare. three weeks ago, two days a week. Please, what else can I do to help him learn to self-settle?
3: Okay, Emma. Um, Because we don't know the pattern of when you put him down, I might very, very quickly just go through what I would do with a six-month-old. Um, and that might help because it might be the timing that could be out and you're doing all the right things, you're trying to resettle him and he's getting himself much more overtired. So the first thing I do is think about the rhythm and generally a six-month-old stays awake for about two hours before they need a sleep. They need two sleeps and a little nap so that's where you went from three one and a half hour sleeps dropping down So I think he should have at least two sleeps of about an hour and a half and one little nap of about 20 minutes. So if we looked at it that way, he's at least doing one of the naps. Um, And I think you're resettling and the resettling time that you're giving him is right. So the first thing is I'd look at the timing, get the timing back on track. I think you're shushing and patting as long as you're consistent within those sleep windows, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, that would be good and consistent. And I think the second thing that's playing a big part on this is he started daycare and he's probably really overtired because he gets overstimulated and he's not sleeping well there and it's just having this knock-on effect. So on the days that he's not at daycare which is five days a week is just trying to get back into the rhythm and trying to get the girls at daycare to help you with that rhythm also. So I think that in In terms of where you're at, he's doing the right thing. I'd probably pat and shush him for about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, depending on the cry and what he's up to. And I think with time, it'll come back. The only thing that's a bit different is the 30 minutes it takes to get him to to go back down after a night feed, because most babies are just feeding and they just go back to sleep. So I suspect he's very overtired. Now, in saying all of that, when a baby's really overtired, sometimes what I do is I take two days and I get them to have the sleep, regardless of how they get the sleep, only for two days. Don't want to go for three because it might form a pattern and get him a bit more rested so that when you then go back to resettling him, he's actually rested enough to be able to learn. So I hope that makes sense for you. So think about your pattern, think about the timing, get the timing right that you think suits him, two big sleeps and a nap is what you're looking for, for About two sleeps of an hour and a half. And then for a couple of days, put him down. Once he wakes up at 25 minutes, if you can't get him to sleep within a really short period, like five or 10 minutes, pick him up, get him off to sleep and put him back down because it's better that he gets sleep and he's not overtired. Do that for a couple of days, then go back to your resettling and see if he can join them together because he's not overtired. Right. well, complex, but I think he could get there. If he was that good a sleeper,
0: I think he can get back to it. Well, there's hope for you, Emma. We have time for one more question. This is from Lauren. My son is nearly four with special needs and currently he has no nap and goes to bed between 8 and 8.30 and sleeps the 12 hours through. My question is, he starts back at his special needs kindy next week after having a break for six weeks due to dramatic changes within the family yeah. and he needs to be up a lot e- a lot mm-hmm. earlier to get him to kindy by 8.45. The kindy is half an hour drive from our house. What time should I be putting him to bed and should an afterno- afternoon nap be reintroduced? I'm unsure. Okay, Lauren,
3: um, I, you where to start. So four-year-olds in generally speaking don't need an afternoon sleep and that they would probably be going to bed somewhere in the window between half past seven and eight depending on the four-year-old and that's having them up somewhere in the window but probably between six and seven. So you need to get him there by 8.45 and we know that when we're dealing with children with special needs we need to give them more time and also that them doing things makes them tighter in the day. So a full day at kindy he might be completely exhausted by the end of that day. So how to readjust him is work out your timing. So if you need to leave I would say by eight o'clock give yourself a bit of traffic wiggle time and getting in there, then I think you would need to have him up by about 6.30 in the morning to get him up dressed and fed. And I think if he was up at 6.30 in the morning, you'd need to have him in bed by 7.30. So over the next little while, before the next week or so before he goes back, you want to start creeping his bedtime bedtime forward a little bit. So instead of putting him down, let's say this week you put him down to 8 o'clock each night and then next week you put him down at quarter to eight and then you put him down at half past seven and each morning you get him up closer to the time you need him up so you'll get him up at seven o'clock every morning and then put him down at you know seven thirty that night and then you creep it to the point of where you want it and I think in this case you have to creep it in terms of um, giving him back an afternoon sleep, the kindy days he might need it, uh, depending on what his needs are, what his special needs are. Mm-hmm. If it's a physical thing, he'll probably fall asleep on the way home because he's been so physical during the kindy days. But generally speaking, four-year-olds don't have an afternoon sleep, generally.
0: And um, if I, I don't know if this would apply to you at all, Lauren, because we don't know what the situation is for your little boy. But my girlfriend, I know, um, has a son on the autism spectrum and she finds it really hard to get him settled at night. It's really hard to get him to sleep. And um, the only thing that I have to offer this conversation is uh, to suggest you have a go with our um, meditation nighttime app, because this is um, stories that have been developed, especially for children to listen to and help them calm down and help them go to sleep. We've got Two seasons. So the first season's about all these adventures. The second season is all about animals. So he might enjoy it. You might enjoy mm. it. It he may help get that same yeah. time earlier if if you need an extra help yeah. getting him to settle. But um, yeah, please feel free to give us a call any way we can help, Lauren. We'd love to. Yeah. So uh, even if you get the chance to give us a call, maybe next Monday if you need an extra hand. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today thank you so much everyone for your questions um if we didn't get to your question today we'll be answering your questions on monday on the public holiday so please keep an eye out for the kindling conversation podcast for that episode it will be available at midday next monday Chris, as always, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure. You can get in touch with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling.com.au. And don't forget that all of Chris's advice from Kindling Helpline is available for free on the Kindling app under Stuff for Grown-Ups.
1: You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from.